0: Hey, it's Coach Freddie here, inspiring people to do things that inspire them, and welcome to the iHemp Revolution and the Hemp Road Trip, informing people about industrial hemp and how it can benefit people's lives, heal the planet, and how it can be used to make thousands of products, boost the economy and business, people, planet, profit. This is a special episode of the I Hemp Road Trip from Harrisonburg, Virginia. It's a podcast hosted by Kai Deckner. He is the host of Hello Harrisonburg podcast also on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. So, Hello Harrisonburg. Music.
1: Hello, Harrisonburg. Thanks for tuning in to this local podcast about people and projects making the friendly city rock. I'm Kai Degner, and I'm your host for interviews with innovators, artists, entrepreneurs, community members, and experts who are all connected to Harrisonburg, Virginia. Subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher and see all past episodes at helloharrisonburg.rocks. Welcome, everybody, to today's episode of Hello, Harrisonburg. This is going to be an interesting one. If if you're a listener to the podcast, you know that normally I'm interviewing one people with a couple exceptions. I have four people here that I'm interviewing and the topic is going to be about hemp and its impact potentially on Harrisonburg. It's also unique because we're going to have a dual episode. It's also going to be shared on the iHemp Revolution podcast and we'll learn more about that moving forward. So I'm going to start with the local folks and then move over to the guests that we have here that are here on a on a national bus tour. So first I'm going to start with uh Mr. Chase Milner. Chase, when this podcast was starting, uh, I interviewed you just to try out my equipment about hemp. So we've come a long way. We're almost 60 episodes into the podcast. I want to thank you for uh, talking to me about hemp in a way that nobody heard about yet. But uh, now, now we're ready to hear about it. So Chase, say hello to Harrisonburg and tell us quickly how you got to the area. Hello Harrisonburg and thank you Kai.
2: Degner, I just want to let the listeners know, huge fan of your show. Love it. You put the rock in Rock Town. <laughs> Love you, Kai. Thank you so much for having us on for this very important issue. Um, I am a a transplant from a native uh, of Kentucky, central Kentucky, and that's where uh, the passion really is rooted for the cause for industrial hemp um, being brought back to America. But I came to Harrisonburg in 2007 by way of the Blue Ridge Parkway, moved up here from Asheville, North Carolina, worked for a land trust down there. I must say it was the greatest, most beautiful relocation drive of all time. Love
1: the Blue Ridge, Kai that's awesome well we're happy to have you here uh russell presnell is hosting this we're at the presnell compound uh russell say hello to harrisonburg and tell us how you got to the area
3: hello harrisonburg <laughs> Well <done. laughs> i've always wanted to do that anyway uh, this is russell presnell i uh, was hitchhiking from florida and this is as far as i got <laughs> <laughs> that's cool um Long-time listener, first-time contributor. Glad, to, right. glad to be here, Cock. That's cool. Thank
1: and, and of course, you are in the transportation business here. Many people haven't enjoyed rides and checkered cab. That's right. And some unenjoyable
3: rides as well but not not our fault <laughs> that's right so chase tell us who you have here we've got uh the hemp road trip all the way from uh
2: the rocky mountains of colorado uh the uh, uh driver coach freddie
1: and rick trojan are right here with us cool so let's start with rick say hello to harrisonburg and tell us how you got to the area
4: hello harrisonburg uh, my name is rick trojan thanks Kai, for having us here I want to thank the Virginia Industrial Hemp Coalition for hosting us as well. Uh, We are traveling around the U.S. in a biodiesel bus promoting hemp uh, as an agricultural crop. I'm a hemp farmer from Colorado. And uh, we've got Coach Freddie on board. we got Dan and Maggie on board as well. And we're going around following the presidential primaries and trying to promote hemp as an agricultural crop uh, like James Madison grew it, George Washington, and Thomas Jefferson grew it. So out here shaking hands and talking to people uh, all across the country. We'll get more of that
1: more into that here in a second. So you mentioned Coach Freddie. He's here next to you. Uh, Coach, say hello to Harrisonburg and tell us how you got to Harrisonburg.
0: Hey, Harrisonburg, yeah, you're right Well, anyhow, um, yeah, I uh, joined the uh, crew here on the Hemp Road Trip uh, I host the iHemp Revolution podcast And that's I'm, why I came on a, on the trip here And uh, to host and record this whole trip And I, right now we have about 50, 51 episodes so far uh, on iTunes uh and so we look forward to doing a lot more with people. And so I got uh, my secondary job is driving the bus. So <laughs> <laughs> all right, we need to drive. into that. Yeah. That's awesome. So I'm going
1: to focus a little bit on Chase telling us why is this issue relevant to Harrisonburg and the Shenandoah Valley in particular. Just to to make it relevant to people, why is this national roadshow relevant?
2: First and foremost, I think the word sustainability comes to mind. You know, when we look at uh, local foods production, you know, we have a a very large uh, poultry, um, uh, livestock, um, you know, corn, soy. Um, We live in the breadbasket of Virginia, and historically speaking, um, Augusta County, Frederick County, uh, the up the top and down of the Shenandoah Valley. Those were the richest hemp-growing regions in colonial America in the 17th and 18th centuries. Um, You know, we see that this is a heritage crop to Virginia. Um, You know, our founding fathers grew it. uh, But the 21st century uses, which uh, our friends from Colorado know firsthand, um, that are there available, the new markets, uh, it's an extraordinarily important crop that we have to bring back here to Virginia, back into rotation agriculture uh, for... Um, principally environmental purposes, but also intrinsically for um, sustainability purposes
1: across the board. So talk a little bit about the fact that this isn't new to Virginia. and this, this, Say more about that. Well, uh, for instance, case in point, the hemp
2: road trip yesterday was at Montpelier, James Madison's home. Um, in James Madison's era you know in 1828 he received a letter from a man named James Ronaldson from New Zealand and uh, in that letter was uh, enclosed hemp seed the New Zealand hemp seed. And you know it was uh, one of um, uh, many of crops that James Madison experimented with. Um, you know Thomas Jefferson actually uh, created pat- and patented hemp breaks, you know, for breaking this fibrous material. Um, but you know he planted this uh, the few seeds of uh, New Zealand hemp there um, in Orange um, uh, County uh, on the, the Mount Pelier uh, plantation and. Um, you know we see this at george washington he uh, He planted hemp uh, made a trial of it as well uh, for you know uh, the fiber purposes. but you know right now in, in two thousand and sixteen we have um, incredible opportunities with uh, food with hemp foods, hemp seeds as uh, nutritional. Uh, supplements for human and for agriculture for livestock. We've got opportunities for biofuels, which James Madison University is undertaking right now with a local farmer in Rockingham County. You know, we also have um, fiber markets that um, our U.S. Navy still has uh, open-ended contracts for uh, fibrous hemp that uh, is necessary for purchasing for Department of Defense. It's it's even a national security uh, issue to some. Uh, um, extent So, you know, we see this as a, a locally sourced material, a locally sourced crop that if we can uh, replant it and reestablish it in um, Shenandoah Valley agriculture, you know, we could potentially uh, have Virginia lead the way alongside Colorado and Kentucky um, in r- restoring this uh, important industry.
1: Russell Presnell, you live here in Harrisonburg. Why do you care about this issue? You're hosting these guys at your house here as they go through the country, and I know you've been in Richmond advocating for bills that they that came up last year and this year. Can you give us a little bit of background on why you care about it and then also what's been going on in Richmond? Sure. Um, I'll tell you what. Um, my concern for hemp
3: is really um, a bit more, you know, uh, on the ideological side, for me, it's just about freedom. If there's something in uh, in, uh, in Virginia that you can eat, you can wear, you can buy, and you can sell, but you can't plant in the ground, I just think that's plain democracy. Shouldn't be. We're kicking these bums out. Changing the law in Virginia. And two years in a row now.
1: You've been, as part of the Virginia Hemp Coalition, in Richmond the last couple of years during session, to do what? Absolutely, Kai. We've been down
3: there um, lobbying uh, the state legislature uh, to pass uh, some common sense hemp laws that um, will allow uh, Virginia universities to um, get involved in pilot programs to study this very important crop and get it in the ground, which is going in this spring. Also want to give a big uh, thank you to our representative, Tony Wilt, So, Tony Wilt, uh, who didn't know anything about this issue two years ago um, and has been really great to work with uh, over the past couple years, gotten to know him, and he's taken a real sincere interest and been a big supporter so far in uh, the House Agricultural Committee
1: um, and in uh, Richmond in general for these laws. That's great. What's crazy about this and what you guys have educated me about, too, is the Declaration of Independence is written on hemp paper, right? I mean, it used to be required in Virginia, you said, by the House of Burgesses, to to grow hemp, right? Uh, so let's go over to to Rick to learn a little bit from the um, from the national side of this. What the heck happened if we were, if we used to grow hemp? Why well, all of a sudden is it this illegal thing that is required to be in this? Currently, this really high, highly regulated situation to even allow uh, us to study seeds and what can be produced that we used to do all the time.
4: Yeah, great. In fact, we're the only G7 country in the world that doesn't allow our farmers to grow hemp domestically. Uh, it was a little bit of a mix-up in the 1920s and 1930s. In uh, the 1920s, they coined the term marijuana, which was the term for the cannabis plant that a lot of the um, Mexicans in the Southwest were uh, smoking. Um, William Randolph Hearst uh, demonized the, the cannabis plant um, with a lot of racial, a lot of yellow journalism, a lot of racial you know, jazz, jazz singers, uh reefer madness, uh, essentially demonizing the plant. Uh, the plant marijuana, which was also it's also cannabis, but cannabis is, is a hemp. and hemp legally is a cannabis plant with a THC level of less than 0.3% THC. So uh, I'm a hemp farmer in Colorado. I have 300 acres last year. We're the largest hemp farm in the US. Uh, you could essentially smoke my entire uh, farm, and your lungs would give out before you would get stoned. There's no psychoactive components to the hemp plant, uh, but in the 1920s and 30s, uh, it got roped together. DuPont had just patented nylon from petrochemicals, which hemp was used extensively for rope back in the day. And essentially, in 1930s, uh, 1937, they passed Congress passed with uh, you know DuPont, Hurst. Uh, was the the bureau of narcotics passed a law called the marijuana tax act and that essentially made cannabis illegal to grow uh federally uh however in in 1941-42 once the japanese overtook the philippines and we lost our access to hemp as a strategic resource as we were importing uh the government did what's called a hemp for victory campaign which you can find on youtube at hemp for victory and essentially um provided seeds to American farmers in Wisconsin, Virginia, Kentucky, Tennessee, uh, the Carolinas to grow hemp as a strategic resource for, uh, for the war effort in World War II. In fact, uh, the first President Bush, when he ejected out of his plane that was shot down, that parachute that saved his life was made out of hemp, and it was made out of hemp uh, that was a strategic resource for the war effort. Uh, Obviously, we won the war. Uh, The government tried to get rid of all of those videos of hemp for victory and deny that they promoted hemp. In general, a guy named Jack Hare back in the 1980s actually went to the Library of Congress found the video, the only video that they had remaining, found it, checked it out, checked it back in so that it's a public record, and now you can find that, that video on YouTube. So pretty big capitalistic coup back in the 1930s uh, with big oil and and, um, and the timber industry specifically. And now, uh, obviously, there's medicinal uh, benefits to the plant. In fact, the government, the government and the University of Mississippi have a patent um, in 1976, have a patent showing that there is medicinal value, value of the cannabis plant, uh, yet the government is still re- failing to recognize it as, and take it off the Schedule One drug, uh, meaning that it has zero. Schedule One is is a drug classification that means that the the component has zero medicinal value, which is absolutely not the case. So uh, we're on the road today trying to uh, demystify the last eighty years of misinformation and just let people know that this plant uh, has a lot of uh, value to the economy, to our health, to uh, you know food, health, fuel, and fiber and really allow farmers to have the option to grow it. So they can rotate it in with corn, tobacco, soy, and just really give the farmers a chance to grow it like every other industrialized nation.
1: So you have the biggest farm in the country growing hemp. and Is that recent, and is that because they decriminalized marijuana or or what they did in Colorado, or could you grow it previous to that?
4: So in Colorado, currently there are 29 states that are allowed to grow hemp on a state level. Only nine last year had uh, hemp in the ground. A lot of that is due to the classification as a Schedule One for hemp as a Schedule One substance. In Colorado specifically, Amendment Sixty Four, which was a state constitutional amendment that allowed for the recreational use of marijuana, uh, that same law also there's a section in that law that allows for the planting of industrial hemp uh, for research and commercial purposes. So, uh, even without the marijuana, that, even without the marijuana aspect of that law, that law did allow us in 2014 to plant hemp uh, in the state of Colorado. And that's regulated by our Department of Agriculture. The marijuana side is regulated by Department of Revenue. So two different regulatory agencies, essentially two different Methods of planting. We're planting, like I said, 300 acres. We're going to do about 2,500 this year. We're planting a, on a commercial agricultural scale. Uh, marijuana typically is planted indoors uh, with filters, female-only plants. I mean, the hemp is male and female. Uh, it's just like any other crop, like corn or wheat. Uh, planted, we planted from seeds. We harvested using industrial techniques um, on a large, you know, on a semi-large scale.
1: I want to come back in a minute and talk about the economic development impact of this, because that's really what what interests me. But I want to give Coach Freddie a chance to jump in and ask him, why did you start the IHEMP Revolution podcast? Has this been an issue you've been involved in prior to this? or And, and what's your, your goal with the IHEMP Revolution podcast?
0: Well, um, I'm, a, I'm a lifestyle coach. I coach entrepreneurs and business owners uh, to use a triple bottom line business model. That means people, planet, and profit. You know, and people often ask me, you know, what do I do? And I, I simply inspire people to do things that inspire them, like building an inspiring business and creating an inspiring lifestyle beyond their wildest dreams. And so um, I was transforming my coaching business to do business only with sustainable living businesses. And three years ago when I ran across hemp in Colorado, I uh, help fit that business model that I was coaching people to do people, planet, and profit you know, you take care of the people, take care of the planet, and this is what this crop does but this crop will also support Numerous industries all over the country, small industries, It can be grown in every state. Naturally, uh, you have a specific variety or cultivar, as we say, to grow in each specific area, but it'll support I- any industry from making plastics to uh, to food, to clothing, uh, to building homes, building supplies, all these things that'll support all local businesses. I grew up in western Pennsylvania, near Pitt, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, which is large, the biggest city in the world. We manufactured more steel uh, during World War II than all the European countries put, put together, and it's no longer there. However, industrial hemp will be the largest industry this country has ever seen because it's not only just one industry, it's all affects all industries out there today. So I want to be a, a contributing leader uh, in the industrial hemp industry to help and coach business entrepreneurs getting into this business to make sure they're successful. Well let's let's get
1: into that a little bit because I just think from the when Chase ran down the list of I don't know, how many hundreds or thousands of products can 25,000. 25, <laughs> products and what, what products just give people an idea of the range of products throw it out there what, what are some things that you could make well everything around us right now uh, composite um,
2: you know um, we're, you know the seats we're sitting in the paint on the walls you know we can use everything from uh, this oil seed uh, we can. Um, what I'm most interested in is really the food uh, side, you know, the food aspect of, uh, you know, what we can do is a, with this plant-based protein source that has the same environmental benefits of eating, you know, a wild piece of salmon, uh, which... You know, we don't have uh, in complete abundance um, in perpetuity. Well, we have a biomass crop here that uh, could grow four times the amount of biomass in one year that uh, woody pulp can can grow. So, and you know, that's based on a 1916 USDA bulletin 404, uh, written by Dr. Leister Dewey that grew hemp on the Arlington Farms, which is the modern day present day Pentagon site. (laughs) You know, we know that hemp grows extraordinarily well here in Virginia. And uh, there are, with those, you know, 25,000 different product uses, there are new markets to explore. Um, you know, the, the um, biofuels is one James Madison will be exploring this year. But, you know, there's bioplastics. There's um, composite car parts.
1: Um, I mean, the goes it, it's, on it's the all. same reason that petroleum is so ubiquitous, right? Yep. I mean, it can be used to create so many different things. And you're saying the oil, the hemp seed is... is as able to be used for that many different products.
2: Absolutely. And, you know, one thing that uh, right now, just as elemental as carbon, you know, the carbon structure that uh, can be uh, produced through growing industrial hemp can be turned into a material that meets the same – very close to the same – figures as graphene, you know, a uh, supercapacitor battery, you know, so we're looking at a, a biomass uh, agricultural crop that could be grown here in Harrisonburg, uh, and County, that could be potentially the next graphene. University of Alberta, Canada is doing studies on that right now. And it, what is it, 40 times uh, more inexpensive than uh, traditional
1: gra- graphene? The economics in itself are, uh, they speak for themselves. Let me get into some success stories here, and let's stick with you for a second, uh, because you mentioned that JMU is one of the three state universities that, based on the law that you helped pass last year, has a license to research hemp. Is that right? That's correct. Yes, and and this, uh, through federally speak, uh, this is the the
2: U.S. uh, farm bill that uh, President Obama signed into law two years ago, allowed for states, departments of agriculture, and uh, states uh, to uh, work with universities to allow for industrial hemp to be grown legally when state laws are in compliance with that measure. So that means... What we had to do in Virginia was we had to go to Richmond and, you know, change the Virginia code that identified hemp as a noxious uh, illegal narcotic. That would put a farmer in jail if they were caught in possession of it. Well, it took House Bill 1277, which uh, passed unanimously uh, last year, uh, for university research to be implemented. That was signed by our governor um, into law, went into effect July of 2015. And uh, within days now, there's a a bill on Governor Terry McAuliffe's desk, uh, which is House Bill 699, Senate Bill 691. And we call it the Virginia Hemp Industry Preparedness Act. And what this law will allow for is the establishment of a completely regulated and legal licensing structured market for industrial hemp on the state level. That all being said, it still requires the federal government to legalize hemp and deschedule from the Controlled Substances Act. So we... Our work now uh, moves directly to Washington, D.C., where we have to uh, uh, request a co-sponsorship of the Industrial Hemp Farming Act, House Bill uh, 525, and in the Senate, Senate Bill 134.
1: Uh, we really need all of Virginia. Um, to support that in the U S Congress. Well, this is an example of, of what it takes to, to change. I mean, I, I want to switch to Rick here for a second. And I mean, one, I just, it just seems like such a freaking no brainer. Right. So I just want to give some space for just the frustration that just, just seems like, um, like, you know, we want to be political and respectful, but it just, mm-hmm. just seems so stupid. I mean, it doesn't even look like marijuana, right? It grows differently. It, it doesn't have this THC. It's just like, wake up people. And if you don't care about, um, um the, the drug side of it, let's talk about economic development and the fact that we need jobs and we, not, we need to create manufacturing again. And that's what I'm excited about here in the middle, Harrisonburg being in the middle of the Shenandoah Valley. And um, Rick, I'm curious if you could paint a picture of what could be possible here in the Valley and maybe in Harrisonburg specifically, if we were... Right to allow har- uh, farmers to grow hemp and w- what kind of manufacturing facilities could create it? Could you talk about what could be possible here locally if we had more common sense laws around hemp?
4: Absolutely, and you're absolutely right. This is a great area for growing hemp hemp has been grown in this region since colonial times. The Native Americans grew it. Uh, George Washington, James Madison, uh, it's been grown in colonial times. It was grown all the way up into the 1930s. And then again for the war effort in the 1940s. So just to give you an example of what, what's happened on our, you know, even though we we're the largest farm last year, we we're still only 300 acres, which is a small a small portion of Colorado's agricultural land. But just my company in the last year, we've created over 25 jobs directly. Man, um, that's
1: exactly what I'm talking about.
4: And that's just from farming. We created a processing company to process Process the hemp. Uh, we created a test company to test the hemp to, in order to comply with regulations on the on the THC side of things to make sure it didn't have. Over that 0.3% THC, and I was doing an analysis a couple of days ago. We were talking at Virginia Tech. Uh, we talked today at, at James Madison University to some students and, and faculty there as well. Essentially, uh, 25 jobs is what we created directly. There was over 100 jobs created indirectly, right? From from marketing, uh, manufacturing, processing, transportation, delivery, uh, all those sorts of things, just from our one company, just from 300 acres. That is awesome. um, To give you, to give you, a, a, if we planted six percent of our agri- of our agricultural land here in the U.S., just 6% of that land, the amount of fuel that we could create from that land would power all of our oil needs in our country. So we could get directly off foreign oil, what? directly out of natural gas if we plant this crop in just 6% of our land. That's just fuel production, right? To, to Chase's point, there's seeds for for food, there's the stock and fiber that creates houses, creates uh, BMW, Mercedes, Audi, already uses hemp as a, as a material for their cars, just like Henry Ford made an entire car out of hemp. Uh, back in the the early 1940s Um, it's truly a a very versatile crop and we don't have to, as Henry Ford said, dig deep in our minds for for, um, chemicals and we don't have to pollute our land for uh, petro petro oil, we can grow a renewable sustainable energy source here and in addition to that, because of hemp's large biomass it has to be processed regionally so it, you have to essentially within 150 200 miles there will be processing centers uh retail outlets um all sorts of i mean allowing this crop to be cultivated on a national scale will create hundreds of thousands of jobs get us off foreign oil off foreign energy and really allow us to get back to our roots like we did you know when the when the settlers first came to this region so it,
1: just to make that point you're saying you, you can't package all the hemp up and send it a thousand miles on a train or something it, does it- it just come apart. No, nope. so it, why do you it has, have to manufacture it near where it's where it's grown?
4: Sure. So it, it doesn't come apart. It's a very very strong, uh, and that's one of the one of the the drawbacks. Back in the day, was it was a lot easier to process other other products like cotton and such. It's a very strong versatile, adaptable plant, but because of the biomass, because it weighs so much, the transportation cost to ship that weight all across the country will be prohibitive. So we can do it, and we're doing it now to a certain degree. I mean, we're shipping in $600 million of products from overseas, from China, from Canada, from the EU. So obviously, it's being done, but in order to optimize the... Uh, the benefit of the plants, and really, and really minimize the not only the carbon footprint, but the transportation costs. It needs to be processed usually within a 200 mile radius of where it's grown.
1: Chase, looks like you want to jump
4: in.
2: Can I give you in a local um, uh, comment about this? Is we have a friend uh, who just established a small business called Old Dominion Hemp, and he is very uh, interested in creating equine horse bedding. Uh, uh, betting for livestock it so what he's taking is the of the the stalk fiber what we call herds h-u-r-d-s and those hemp herds well where does he source these herds he has to get these bought in holland and it has to be brought over an atlantic transfer Um, every truckload costs up to seventy five hundred dollars you know and so we're talking about a fibrous material that can be Used for horse bedding, um, for hempcrete uh, that has to be brought over from Holland uh, to Norfolk for seventy five hundred dollars a truckload. Well, this is ridiculous when we can grow it
1: here in Rockingham County. I mean, it's not illegal for me to have a hemp shirt or a hemp hat or shoes made out of hemp or even have hemp seeds, right? Seeds, viable seeds, it's illegal. Oh, uh, that so I can't do that, but I can eat the ones you had in the in the little hemp uh, snack thing, right? Right. Yeah,
4: but well, you can't make- grow it here. One one Atkins. crazy one crazy yeah. thing, and that's actually one of the reasons that I'm on the road with this with this bus is because, as a Colorado farmer, we grow for seed for eating and for and for planting, and we grow for for CBD, which is a botanical extract of the plant that helps uh, with children with you've seen it on CNN with epilepsy. Uh, it's an anti-inflammatory, anti-anxiety. It's a, it's just a good dietary supplement. But the the craziness, the crazy one of the crazy aspects of this prohibition and this classification of hemp as a drug. As an illegal drug, is that I, as a Colorado farmer, can pull a botanical extract of the exact same plant that they can pull a botanical extract of in, in China? I can't. I couldn't. I can't take my botanical extract and ship it across state lines. I couldn't until December. But the reality is, if I bought it from China, I could sell that exact same material that we imported anywhere in the U.S. If I create it here in my own country, in my own state. I couldn't ship it across state lines. I mean, it's absolutely, it makes absolutely zero sense. We're shipping out thousands of jobs and $600 million plus just in last year uh, out to countries like Canada and China and the EU because we're not allowed to cultivate it here. It, it's absolutely – we wear it. We use it. In fact, a friend of mine had – we have an energy drink that we have on the bus with – can. it's called Canna Energy. He went to, to Bentonville, to Arkansas, talked to the Walmart folks, and said, "Hey, you know, we should. You guys should carry this in your in your your retail outlets." And the, all the people in Bentonville were like, "We're not. You know, we don't want to touch him, We want nothing to do with it. You know, they obviously are misinformed." He brought out the catalog, and Walmart already has over six hundred, over seven hundred and sixty-three products that are made from hemp in their stores already. They're already carrying it. They're already selling it. We're importing it. I mean, it's it's it could anything that can be made out of petro petrochemicals can be made from hemp. Anything that can be made out of from corn can be made from hemp. Well, it's, that, it's very versatile.
1: That just, I mean, you can call me a conspiracy theorist, but I don't think he, it's a far leap to think about. The major industries who must have lobbying efforts underway to keep this from happening, oh, uh, and that's what yeah, we're up against.
0: Exactly, Coach Freddie, say more about that. Well, yeah, and that's what this whole thing was about. Way back, even a hundred years ago, and uh, eighty years ago, when the law was passed in nineteen thirty-seven, it was—I call it a conspiracy—and maybe that's harsh words, but it was conspiracy with all the big major. Uh, players at that time, from Carnegie to Mellon to uh, Hearst, all those guys that are, were billionaires at that time had a lot of power in in, in the government, and they pushed this this through. And it was all built, and it's factual that it's all, it was all built on lies. So my whole thing is that if it was built on lies and it's factual, just take that off the the the, the off the uh, you know the Schedule Make it 1 the like, Schedule 1 it's automatically scheduled. it's no no longer applicable uh, like, yeah, and, and the now the idea
1: that this is so straightforward and yeah. we have to tiptoe into the industry again and where the researchers have to study and yeah. I've I met the professor at Jamie's engineering department who's like one of the few people that has the, the license to Through deal the with hemp seeds DA. and all, anybody who touches a hemp seed has, to, background has check. to have a, a federal background oh, check okay. and thumbprints and IDs and it's freaking crazy. Yeah.
4: To give you an example, Vermont. For, I mean, we've been all over yeah. the country, right? So in Colorado, we have to be licensed. We don't have to go. Through, we have to have a background check. Um, but in Vermont, they essentially pay. They pay twenty-five dollars to their Department of Agriculture, and they can plant whatever they want. It's a very open, very they can plant corn, hemp, whatever. They just have to register with the with their Department of Ag, and it's straightforward. I mean, these background checks. North Carolina passed. A law that allowed hemp, but they didn't fund the law. So North Carolina has to raise two hundred thousand dollars privately, so they can regulate their own industry. It's, it's, it's absolute absurdity. But they're putting these roadblocks, and they being the government. And, and I think, to your point, Coach, big uh, big ag, oil, you know, all these in, all these entrenched interests that hemp can, hemp is a direct competitor of all these, right? And so, rather than I don't understand why these big companies don't pivot and start growing hemp, right? It just makes more sense. They're, they're taking stuff out of the earth. Which is finite, right? they just keep growing it, they can have their same model. They can just use hemp as a replacement. So it doesn't make any sense from a business standpoint. It makes zero sense politically. Uh, but unless, and we are on the we were up on the Capitol talking to a lot of senators, including uh, your representative uh, Goodlatte here in uh, Virginia, and uh, essentially they need to hear from us as individuals. We need to write our congressmen, write our senators, call them, uh, and let them know on a federal level that this is this this insanity needs to stop. We 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 can no longer afford to. Be be the only industrialized nation that doesn't grow hemp. Um, so you know, you guys, Virginia Commonwealth started growing hemp. Your industry starts this year. Uh, it can start a lot faster and a lot stronger if it's federally legal. Uh, and you guys are doing a great job of getting the resources and getting plants in the ground and research going. But really, we need it to be uh, be an option for farmers and manufacturers and investors on a national scale.
1: Well, let's let's lead right into our the shameless plug. So you guys wouldn't have no reason to listen to Hello Harrisonburg in the past, but maybe in the future. But uh, every Everybody on the show gets to give a shameless plug. This is your chance to just advertise what you want to advertise. So maybe we start with uh, coach Freddie. What do you want people to do related to this issue and particularly the people here in Harrisonburg?
0: Well, um, I am the host of the iHemp Revolution on uh, iTunes and Stitcher Radio. And uh, uh, the revolution, we have conversations about the history, legalization, farming, harvesting, processing, building, manufacturing, investing, and how industrial hemp can benefit people's lives, heal the planet, and how it can be used to make thousands and thousands of products and boost the economy and business throughout the United States here. And so um, I would uh, uh, invite everybody... To go to iTunes, look and just put in IHAMP Revolution and uh, support us there uh, on iTunes or Stitcher Radio. And you can follow us on Facebook, too, at Facebook.com forward slash IHAMP Revolution. And just like us, tell your friends. Awesome. Rick, shameless plug.
4: Thanks. I really appreciate it being the opportunity to be here on Hello Harrisonburg Um, I'd like to thank our folks uh, Chase and Russell and the folks over at Virginia Industrial Hemp Coalition Uh, give a shout out to the National Coalition's National Hemp Association and Hemp Industries Association Vote Hemp, Hemp History Week all for supporting our cause Uh, I would invite you to go to to hemproadtrip.com you can check check us out we're on Facebook and all the social media good stuff but really uh, educate yourselves and really reach out the whole point of this trip Uh, you know I'd rather be on the farm and making products and, and helping people but we we got to come out. We've got to spread the message. So uh, learn more about the product. Learn more about the plant. Learn more about the benefits. And really contact your your, your elected representatives. And, and really, you know, the, the big ag and the big oil, they have a voice. They spend millions and millions of dollars a year to have a voice. We have a voice, too, but we need to make it heard. And that can only be done by contacting your representatives.
1: So, Chase, what's your shameless plug on this?
4: Please vote. Please take advantage of your
2: opportunity as an American to speak up for an issue that really matters. I think that industrial hemp is a no-brainer. It's common sense. It's bipartisan. We have a bill in the House and the U.S. Senate. It's called the Industrial Hemp Farming Act, House Bill 525. It's It's sitting on our, Bob Goodlatte's desk. Our local congressman is the chairman of the Judiciary Committee. The buck really stops with us here in the Shenandoah Valley, in the 6th District, uh, for this cause. Because the Industrial Hemp Farming Act is uh, referred to the Judiciary Committee on both the House and the Senate. You know, We have to have Senate uh, Tim Kaine and Mark Warner. We have to get their co-sponsorship. We just need greater support on the federal level for common sense agriculture reform for industrial hemp.
1: All right. Well, good shameless plugs. We've lost Russell Presnell here in the course of this interview, so he's missing his chance to, to give a shameless plug. But oh, Russell
2: did want to, I uh, think, say, vote for Bernie Sanders. Uh, he is the only uh, presidential candidate that currently is a, a, not only a co-sponsor of the Industrial Informing Act, he um, has even uh, more uh, progressive legislation in the U.S. Senate to deschedule cannabis from the Controlled Substances Act. So, if you care about this agriculture issue, um, please vote for Bernie Sanders
1: next Tuesday. Well, I'm going to do my best to capture all this information at helloharrisonburg.rocks/hemp. Uh, we're going to give a quick pause for a shameless plug from our sponsor, and then be back for the with the uh, listener thank you gift. Hi, everybody. Thanks for listening. This is Kai Degner, and my shameless plug is that I'm a residential real estate agent serving Harrisonburg and Rockingham County. I work at Rocktown Realty now, which is on the corner of Mason Street and East Market. So come by and say hello, and let me know if you or someone you know is interested in buying or selling a home. Thanks. All right, back with Hello Harrisonburg and a, a whole slew of guests here about hemp and particularly the prospects of hemp here in Harrisonburg and the rest of the Shenandoah Valley. So uh, any, everybody on the show gets to give the listeners a thank you gift for tuning in and hearing what it is we're talking about. So Chase Milner, you have a listener thank you gift. The
2: Virginia Industrial Hemp Coalition has information available to all listeners regarding the environmental benefits of industrial hemp. Uh if you're really interested in climate uh, change or environmental issues look this up as well as we have a full guide to how to grow harvest industrial hemp as well so for any uh, beginning farmers or any farmers interested uh, we've got a growing guide that you can find on kai's website
1: so i'll put that up at helloharrisonberg.rocks slash hemp rick you have a listener thank you
4: go? Yep, absolutely. Uh, I appreciate you having us on and, uh, and, and and Russell and Chase for hosting us here in uh, Harrisonburg. We are, like I said, going around the country educating in- individuals. We have a, a PowerPoint that tells about hemp versus cotton, hemp versus timber, gives the background, gives the history. And so what I'll do is we'll, uh, we'll share that. We'll send it over to you there at, at her- helloharrisonburg.rocks, and we'll put it up on the website for people to take a look at and uh, educate themselves as well.
1: That's Awesome. Coach Freddie, what's your listener thank you gift?
0: Well, I'd like to offer um, any op- entrepreneurs in Harrisonburg area listening to your podcast that want to get involved in hemp in any way, growing or manufacturing or processing or on the legal side, whatever. I'm going to offer them a, a free coaching session with myself and uh, to go through the particulars of being a successful entrepreneur. from Coach Freddy.
1: That's pretty cool. And what's
0: the website people check out? Uh, CoachFreddy.com or uh, iTunes, Uh, on iTunes, the IHAMP Revolution.
1: Okay, cool. And Freddy's F-R-E-D-D-I-E. Cool.
0: Russell, you're back. You have a listener thank you
1: gift? Do I just thank anybody? No, a gift for the (laughs) listeners to give for their listening to us. (laughs) confusing You get to thank the listeners. (laughs) Well, if you've been here, you know it's happening. Yeah, you took off I
3: don't
1: know, it's not very clear. You get to thank the listeners if they've made it all the way through this episode.
3: Yeah, like
0: some of our our guests haven't been here.
3: So, (laughs) listeners, thank you very much for listening. And your gift is Russell saying thank you. And my gift is... My thanks. <laughs> Very good.
0: Um, There's cool. some uh, good editing for you. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. I'm keep it in. Uh, all right, well, well, Russell, you weren't here for the shameless plug. Why don't you give us your shameless plug since you can't come up with a thank you gift? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Uh, my shameless plug is
3: vote for Bernie Sanders for president. What's that have to do with him? Well, uh, He's the main man as far as uh, proposing uh, real legislation federally that's going to get this job done. Only one doing it.
1: Cool. Let me ask everybody, uh, what's a resource that maybe you haven't mentioned yet that you'd like for people to check out if they want to learn more about him? Particularly maybe how it used to be grown here in the area, Chase. Check us out at virginiahemp.org, va We've got a lot of information
2: there, uh, as well as follow on social media. We'll, we'll update you a lot with uh, a local history, um, as well as an upcoming event in June. Uh, June 6th through 12th is a National Hemp History Week, so hemphistoryweek.com. Get involved. Uh, start up uh, a chapter. Do whatever you all want, uh, but this cause needs
1: you. So, um check us out. And you're here in Harrisonburg, so if right anybody here. wants to reach out to you that they can find you and uh connect. Absolutely. Cool. Uh Rick, resource that you haven't mentioned, or book, or movie, or something for sure. people to check out.
4: Sure, one of the one of the one book that got me really involved in hemp in general uh, was a, a good friend of, of the of the road trip. Doug Fine is the author. He has a book called Hemp Bound, which is the first book I read. He also has a book called The First Legal Harvest, which is the first hemp entirely hemp printed book made from American hemp. In this country, in over a hundred years. So, Doug finds Hemp Bound, and First Legal Harvest—great book, great author. He he has a you know, good sense of humor, easy read, but very, very informative as well. Um, so, I would I would recommend Doug's books.
1: Cool. I'll link it up at slash hemp Coach Freddie, book a resource, or oh, movie, yes. or something.
0: Uh, are we still in the Bible Belt? let uh, get yeah. about, Amen. This, this is the the hemp book that's that's called the the, the hemp Bible book. It's uh, by Jack Hair. Uh, the Emperor Wears No Clothes. That has the, the most uh, information that I've seen any place. There's other good books out there, definitely, but this has been a first. They're in a the 12th edition now. You can find it on Amazon and uh, pick it up. It's a great book. Cool. Russell?
3: Well, um, Anything and Everything by Gatewood Galbraith.
1: All right. Good to know. Yeah.
3: Uh, True true American.
1: Well, uh, hello, Harrisonburg. hosts a happy hour once a month. You guys will be gone. Where's the road show going after this? Uh,
4: Tomorrow we go to New York. We have a speech at uh, Cooper Hall on Saturday, which is the same place where Abe Lincoln spoke back in the day. So we're very excited about that. Then we head over to do some stuff in Kentucky, Tennessee, Ohio. Uh, Missouri, Kansas, and then back to Colorado, and then start the Western tour probably the end of May.
1: That's awesome.
4: Well, anybody that wants
1: to join the Hello Harrisonburg, happy hours. It's just an informal gathering where we talk about the issues brought up on the podcast and meet the people that have been guests or our listeners. So you can go to the rocks website and see where the next one is. And uh, you know what? When I was in Europe, uh, I had an um, alcohol made at a monastery that had hemp you know so you can even make some alcohol out of hemp and um and we got it through security I think that the dog was smelling something but they didn't know it, know what it was your mom yeah. smuggled that in was yeah, they, they, yeah my, my mom smuggled <laughs> in the, the hemp alcohol the, we made it thanks <laughs> mom and I, yeah, yeah and uh, so we'll see you guys at an upcoming happy hour thanks for people for tuning in this episode's obviously a little bit longer and want to thank the iHemp Revolution listeners and Coach Freddie for uh, double broadcasting like, yeah, this episode yeah cool man I'm, yeah.
0: I'm looking forward to that
1: that's very cool and Um, thanks everybody thank you thank Thank you guys. that's hello Harrisonburg for now make sure you check out all the show notes with links to the thank you gifts and other valuable information at hello Harrisonburg.rocks and definitely plan to join us at the next hello Harrisonburg happy hour get the time and location at the website or our Facebook page thanks for listening Harrisonburg
0: I want to thank our listeners for tuning in today, and make sure you subscribe to the iHemp Revolution podcast on iTunes or Stitcher Radio, and give us a review, and follow us on Facebook.com forward slash iHempRevolution, and check out Hello Harrison Berg on iTunes. Help spread the word about how using industrial hemp can benefit people, heal the planet, and provide long-term profit. It's People, Planet, Profit. This is your host, Coach Freddie, inspiring people to do things that inspire them. And thanks for joining the IHemp Revolution.